Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. This for 37 at a crucial time of the game. All put down in the grass. The kick is up. It's blocked. It's blocked by Baltimore. The defense holds. Ravens will take over. 4.29 to go. Four-man rush. Shotgun snap. Jackson cocks his right arm. Looking left, looking right, looking left. Crumbling pocket throws. Diving catch. Goal line. Touchdown. Andrews. Diving catch at the goal line. But now the all-important two-point conversion try. Shotgun snap. Short throw. Caught by Andrews. A yard deep down the middle in the end zone. They get the two and they tie the game. Jackson by himself in the gun. Gets the high snap. Sets the pocket. Cocks his arm. Throws a pass end zone. Caught for the touchdown. Baltimore wins. Line drive. Game winning touchdown throw. Lamar Jackson. The Ravens have won. You were talking about Lamar earlier, and I'm just curious. You've been in the league a long time. you played with a lot of good quarterbacks. But what's it like to have that guy on your side? <laughs> Man, that's special. You know, uh, I mean, he's just scratching the surface on how good he can be. You know I mean? I think he's still, what, 24 years old? <laughs> you know, I mean, this is crazy uh, what he's capable of doing. And, you know, I mean, I know he's notorious for what he can do with his legs. You know, and I feel like he got a lot of a lot of disrespect, you know, uh, on his arm talent. You know, I think people a lot of a lot of people eating their words right now, and it feels good to see because I see it in practice. I saw him practice all last year, see him practice all this year, and um, you know, it's just great to see it come out in big games and big moments. A Monday Night Football, man, I don't get no bigger than this. You know, it's, it's huge. You set a lot of records tonight, but one record was you had the highest completion percentage for a 40 pass game. You played the 86% of your passes. When you're <laughs> when, when you're doing that, I mean, do you feel yourself being in the zone? Yeah, I, was, uh, it, I ain't gonna really say it's a zone. You know, I was just locked in. You know, I was just calm. Everything was just moving slow. You know, and I was just taking it a play at a time, and that's what it was. You know, I think that's the best way to sum up Lamar Jackson's performance. Damn. He spoke for a lot of us. Damn, like, like it, you can't really say it. And he jumped back like, with that it is, too. He I jumped mean, back. <laughs> what else is there to say at this point? I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Eighteen hundred and sixty total yards in twenty twenty one. Michael, that's more than eighteen teams. Eighteen teams have fewer total yards than Lamar Jackson. He's fifth in passing yards, eighth in rushing yards, and as you just heard a moment ago. First player in NFL history. They've been playing football for a long time. First in NFL history to throw for 400 plus yards and complete 86% of his passes. There have been 4,017 games of 40 plus pass attempts. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Knock, knock. Who is it? The sink. Let that sink in. Lamar Jackson, of all people. Somebody Mr. say Lamar Jackson. I'm old enough to remember when a Hall of Fame general manager wanted to be a receiver coming into the league. I'm old enough to remember last Maybe year. Maybe he should be in the Hall of Fame. Quiet as it's kept. Maybe people, he should be a Hall of Fame general manager. When, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Well, that's that's not true. Uh, I remember last year I know, when just, people just, were saying 
that he had regressed last season and Lamar Jackson has the highest completion percentage of anybody to ever attempt 40 pass attempts. Michael, whatever reference you want. I mean, he has collected all the infinity stones. He's got the juice now. Mm. He has reached the final level. He's got the glow. Shout out to Bruce Leroy. I mean, he is mm. he is he can see the matrix. There is no spoon. He is right. self-aware like Skynet. I mean, it, it, anything you could possibly okay, say bro. about what this yeah. man is, yeah. he is the ultimate weapon. He is so dangerous. Michael, the guy that you know that I got so much love for, he's not the greatest quarterback of all time, but he's my favorite, or at least definitely one of my favorites, probably still my favorite. Steve Young. Because Steve you know Young. how much I put Steve Young. Baddest man on the yeah. planet in the 90s. Baddest man on the planet. Now, he didn't run like Lamar Jackson. Remember Steve Young when he was like leading the league in completion percentage and yards per attempt? When he was right, leading the league right, in right. passer rating every year? I mean, there wasn't yeah. a dual threat quite like Steve Young, the way he could carve you up from the pocket and still take off when he had to. And that, that's where Lamar Jackson can get to. Hell, he might be there now. Just last week, he threw his second career 300-yard passing game. That was last week. He was like, hold on. Now he sets a franchise record for passing yards? And you can't even say he can't come back anymore. Remember when he couldn't come back from a deficit? Yeah. Came back from 11 against the Chiefs and 19 last night. Bruh, I'm gonna stop talking because I don't know what else to say. Uh, well, this is what you need to say. Let me let's just continue the conversation. You're absolutely right about Lamar Jackson. You mentioned he's got all the Infinity Stones. No, he's on that level where, hey, I'm on a planet where your Infinity Stones don't even matter to me. Remember in Loki? They're like, what are these things? We use these as like paperweights. No, the, no, the I, I'm on something else. I'm on right. something else. You haven't even seen it yet. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I just, I, I, you know, you're getting excited. I ain't said Is this the ish yet. As my, as my man. Yeah, right. Your head, is, your head is bobbing. Said. I ain't said ish yet. Exactly. Yeah. I ain't said right. that. You see the masterpiece. You see yet. the masterpiece. <laughs> but to me, it's unperfected. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's, that's right. It. Look. We talk about the passing stats and for quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson only for guys like this. We're not talking about hey guy who could run a little bit. Give you 500 yards. Give you 600 yards and can pass it. No, no. We're talking about a multiple 1000 yard rusher. Yeah, Mike. I've been watching the Patriots for a long time. I ain't seen a 1000 yard rusher from the running back position in a few years. So just a one, a multiple 1,000 yard rusher, and a guy who can sling it. They, they're just, there's nobody in the league, and this is not an exaggeration. Usually, you know, in, in moments like this, we exaggerate. We're prisoners of the, mo- of the moment. No, there's nobody else in football who can do that. Nobody can give you multiple 1,000 yard seasons and give you 37 to 43 there's ne- on a Monday there's night. There's never been down 19. There's never been. So look, he's already the so best you rushing quarterback. Rewrite- in NFL history, right? Yeah. What, I mean, you, you got to right? I think you so, got to come up with a different you got to come up with a different mold. You got to come up with a different mold for Lamar Jackson and you got to come up with a different story. Cuz you think you think the story's been told before. Oh yeah, we've seen it. We've seen it. Running quarterback, but you can't have a guy like this in the league because when you get down, not gonna last. In in yeah. a passing league, you know, he needs to run. No, 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 no down 19 yesterday and I understand the Indianapolis Colts did a lot of that stuff where they picked up a fork and, and you know and, and put it in their own eye they did a lot of stupid stuff last night I yeah, granted did some stupid stuff but 
Hey, when people do stupid stuff, you got to take advantage of it. They're down 19 last night, and Lamar Jackson is getting it done, not only throwing touchdown passes, but throwing two-point conversions at yeah. critical times. Now, this is what we need to say. Instead of just clowning uh, Bill Polian, who deserves to be clowned for that, not for his career, but for that, that moment, that was one of those, you're trying too hard, Bill. Check yourself. You're trying too hard. Trying to turn this dude. like back, but yeah. That was especially problematic. Well, but he needs to say that. I need to hear that. I need to hear him say, I'd like that back. I haven't heard that yet. But yeah. instead of just counting him, we may need to come back to brother from another in case you missed it yesterday. We were talking about top five quarterbacks, and I got the list written down here. I was writing it down as you said it. You had Brady, Mahomes, Rodgers, Allen, and then mm-hmm. you said a list of maybe... Wilson, Dak. You had Jackson, Dak, Murray, Herbert, Prescott. Yeah, yeah. Russell Wilson. Somehow, yeah. uh, we may have to just find a way. <laughs> we got to find a way to put him in there because he he just is. He's resourceful. He's a smart. Guy. Can I just say one more thing? Let me just say this. You know what people don't say about him? Let me say it. He's a smart smart. quarterback. I'm not trying. I'm not trying so hard. I'm not trying to correct uh, 50 or 60 years of ignorant of ignorant takes and ignorant ignorant narratives when it comes to the black quarterback. I'm not trying too hard. Trust me. He is a smart quarterback. He does a lot of things that that team needs to win the game. He gives the game what it needs. And that is that is really smart quarterbacking. So I, I think we got well, to find a way. He's still getting better. To put Lamar Jackson he's still getting in the top better. five. Well, I, I don't yeah. think, he, to your point, I don't think he's going to leave us much choice. I mean, he's still getting better. That's the scary thing. I mean, look at how he's rewritten the record book before turning 25, already the youngest MVP in league history. And so he's, he still displays some flaws from time to time when it comes to his mechanics as a passer. Like they all do. And he's only going to continue to correct those things. And you know what? Just as a side note, as a quick side note, he the only thing he can't do, the only thing he cannot do is he can't catch his own passes. But I wouldn't put it past him at some point. Maybe he finds a way to do that. A lot has been made about the lack of a supporting cast around him. Talk to number five. Somebody talk to number five. Somebody was catching. Somebody was catching uh, all hey. those passes last night. Somebody was. Hey, Hollywood. So shout out to those receivers. Hollywood. Hollywood is taking Hollywood, it personally. Literally. Mark Andrews. He really is. Mark all Andrews. Those guys. I mean, and can like, I say so this? they got a passing game. And like, so what? So if you're, if, if the book on him was force him to beat you from the pocket. But again, when you reach that final level and you got the glow, like, and you can win from the pocket, and you know you can win from the pocket. Now what? Now what do you do? What do you take away? Well, that, that's a good question. A- am I, you know, not that I'm obsessed with rummaging around the pantry, the pantry pantry freezer, and and coming up with some freezing cold takes. I'm not trying to revisit that. I'm not trying to revisit any freezing cold takes. I'm not trying to do that. But. Mm-hmm. I'll say it this way. The Baltimore Ravens are the franchise, are the type of franchise I have in mind when I say organizations that want to win. 
Okay. I don't want to go down. I don't want to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals anymore. I don't want to talk about the Detroit Lions. I don't want to try to convince you. I, I, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm, I'm not trying to convert you. You know, you believe what you believe. Because I'm not going to entertain it. Because I'm not entertaining that foolishness okay. today. So that's good. You don't need to. You don't have to waste any but time. But this is what it. I want to say to you. This is what I want to say to you. The Baltimore Ravens are everything that's right about ownership, about uh, about professional sports organizations. You think about this. I'm starting at the top. I know how uh, what regard you have for their owner, Steve Biscotti, right? Biscotti. So they've had in their run, I'm going to say in the last 20, in, in, in a generation of Ravens football, they had the same ownership, roughly. I mean, Art Modell was in there a little bit. Biscotti was always hanging around. They've had one owner. Yep. They've had two general managers. Both of them are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Ozzie Newsom and Eric DaCosta, he's going there too. They've had two head coaches. Essentially, I'm not counting Mark Chavroda. I'm going to go with uh, Brian Billick and I'm going to go with the current head coach, John Harbaugh. They've had three quarterbacks, championship quarterbacks. All right, Dilfer. Um, they, they've had uh, my man Flacco and Lamar Jackson is a championship level quarterback. Hasn't won yet. It's only a matter of time. But think about all the three championship players. They, they've had more than that. Yeah, they've had more than that, but yeah, three, but three just, notable quarterbacks. But the main they've had, guys, they've had more than the that. main guys. Yeah, but think about yeah. all the players who have been through there over the years from Ray Lewis to Ed Reed to sizzle Calais Campbell now and think Kong about Bolden, all the players all of these guys other organizations pick off. Think about other coaches. All the organizations yeah. pick off. You're preaching to the and choir. The preacher. They, so as the founder, the way they president operate. of the as as the founder and president of the Baltimore Ravens organization fan club will accept your application. I'll review it and I'll get back to you. Well, let me say this though. Okay, now you got to disagree with this. And I'm not trying to pick a fight with you. Like some people, you're not trying to pick a fight with them, but they're irritable. So even though you're not trying to pick no, a fight I, with them, I just don't have a lot of patience. They take. I'm not irritable. I don't have a lot of patience. I, don't, I mean, I mean, I don't have a lot okay, of patience. Well, what you got? I can't. Shoot, I can't help you. What you got? I can't help your debt. I pray for you. Um, so don't I'll say. Me. What you got? This is what. I understand even more now as I was thinking about the Ravens last night. I understand even more what John Harbaugh was trying to do what he was trying to say to his team and not yeah. necessarily Vic Fangio and the Denver Broncos what he was trying to say to his team. Think about it. this is the Ravens way of doing business. No, no, I'm just saying listen, 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 <laughs> I'm listening. Listen, I'm listen listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. I just I, only right. the Baltimore Ravens only the Baltimore Ravens can lose players from the secondary running backs before the season starts and still say we don't lower our standards. We don't change the way we do business. So to set a record to set a rushing record without their primary guys was Tied. significant to Tied. them. It, right. it meant nothing to us. It meant nothing to us, mm -hmm. but that's the message in the building. You know, uh, John Feinstein okay. wrote a book with the Ravens called Next Man Up uh, back in the day. Uh, a fine book, fine book, really good. But that's mm -hmm. really the, mm -hmm. a lot of people say that, they live it. That's their testimony. Okay, don't feel sorry for us. Yeah, I know we lost our starting running back and the guy we thought was going to replace him. We lost some corners. We got it. But we're the Ravens and we find a way. They're four and one. And I'm telling you, we talked yesterday about the Bills. We talked about the Chiefs. 
and the new order in the AFC, I will never count this team out. I'll never sleep on them. Oh, well, good. Ever. I feel like there's an echo in here. I feel like there's an echo in here. That's great. Thank you for listening. I think I might have told you they had a, a look of destiny about them after they uh, kicked the league, league record field goal to beat the Lions. Um, since you want to bring I up old stuff, but let me ask you something, Michael. I, I, I can't believe you went back to last. I'm laughing because you went back to last week. Like, let's leave last week and last week, okay? But since you went back to last week, let me ask you something, week. Michael. How many how many yards did they rush for last night? How many yards did they rush for last night? Do you know? Less than 100. Less than 100. Less than 100. Right. They ran for 86 yards. So my only yeah. point was never about Vic Fangio and his qualifications, right. or, or or whether or not he had the right to question what the Ravens were doing. My only point, and I want you to hear me clearly when I say this, my only point last week, and it's proved always last hear. night by the fact that they won the game despite rushing for 86 yards, but more important, they got the win, which is what Lamar said last week and what he said again last night. My only point, hear me clearly, is who gives a frog's fat ass how many consecutive games they've rushed for 100 yards in all that matters is winning, and that's they what do. they do. They win. They, they win their way. Do. To your point, to your point, they win their way. My point was simply, all that matters is the win, whether you get it rushing for 100 or not. They're, it's their prerogative if they want to tie the record. Let's leave Mike. last week and last week. We both agree Mike. on this much, Mike. that the Ravens will always be a factor in the end, especially as long as they got number number especially got number eight, who you mentioned that starting running back. Right. He's a starting quarterback and starting running back, which I'll make this quick. I've never seen that before. I'll make this quick. There are certain uh, in that fine house you have there right there, uh, a nice decorated house there in Connecticut that you have. There are certain traditions in your house that mean a lot to you. There are certain things that you do because of Why your you history, because of the way you run your house. There are certain things that mean more to right. you than mean to me. That, that, uh, right. and, and I can't question that. As for me and my house. I can't right. question it. That, I, I, yeah, that's so? fine. I can have an opinion. As you like to say, journalists can ask questions. Commentators and talking heads can have an opinion. In my opinion, it wasn't necessary in the grand okay. scheme of things. It's not what they... Okay. Look, let me tell you something. In that trophy case in Baltimore where they got those two Lombardis, and they're working on several yeah. more with, with Lamar Jackson. You know what ain't there? I don't think it's been a while since I've been to Owings Mills. You know what ain't there? Is a trophy what? for consecutive hundred yard rushing games. That's all I was saying. It, it, but don't but but let's let's not let this distract from the fact that whether running or isn't. now passing, whether running or now passing, that's the thing. That's the story here, Michael. It's not about a, a, a subtle disagreement about something that happened last week. This is about what's happening. And what's continuing to happen with this team is it's evolving, it's growing, it's getting, it's learning, it's becoming more dangerous. Despite their losses, they're gaining an ability to win in a variety of ways. Where once upon a time, not long ago, all they could do was run the ball. And if they couldn't run the ball and play from ahead, you had them. Now you can't right. say that about this team. Not anymore. It's a new you day. can't say that about this. We don't roll like now. that. No. They don't roll like that. Day's dead. Dog don't right. roll like that no more. Day's right. dead. Um, let, let's leave it on. Let's leave. It. We, see, we agree. We agree. We agree. We agree differently. We agree. How are we different? We agree differently. See. <laughs> How are we different? We agree differently. Hey. <laughs> 
The irony. Oh, my God. No, that's an inside story. Inside story. I was about to say something so unfair, Mike. It was so ridiculous. I was like, thank you. We got to play the music. <laughs> play the music. Save, Save me for myself. myself. I, yeah, I'll, not, tell yeah, you, yeah. I'll tell you what I was going to say during the break. And one day, in five years, remember I'll tell the, the rest rem- of y'all. I'll tell the rest of y'all. Remember the mic is always hot. Remember the mic is always hot. And always. make sure you tell me. I'll text you. Don't send it in an email. No, hey, I can't text Mike, you either. Don't send, it, don't send it in an email. I can't text you. I can't say it. Forget don't it. text. Hey, it ain't worth never saying. Rat, never talk on the phone and never rat on your friends. Okay, <laughs> never, never talk. That's right. Never, that's it. Hey. That's it. Okay. Don't talk on the phone. No, don't no, rat hey. on your friends. Denzel, Denzel, West Indian Archie. Okay. <laughs> Man, ain't got no paper. Ain't never got no proof. <laughs> the Ravens have um, the look of destiny about them. There's a character that's always been present in this organization, but this team in particular, despite the injuries, despite some of the shortcomings, God, I wish Marquise Brown could catch. Despite some of the shortcomings, I've said it before, I'll say it again, they're going to be there at the end. And maybe this is the year always. Where, Pat, where, where Lamar Jackson uh, takes it a step, a step further. That was a little bit of a cold take. That's pretty good. Lamar Jackson can catch now. Lamar Jackson can catch. Uh, I mean, uh, Marquise Brown, excuse me. Mar- Marquise Brown can Marquise catch. Marquise Hollywood. Hey, look, you can't be called Hollywood and can't catch. He can catch. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hey, I'm Jessica Mendoza. Join me and the Women's Sports Foundation to celebrate the amazing achievements of girls and women in sports. The annual salute to women in sports will air on October 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern on Yahoo Sports. I'll see you there. Oh, that is going to be fun. And here to preview the Women's Sports Foundation Salute to Women in Sports program, as well as, of course, break down these amazing MLB playoffs is my dear friend uh, Jessica Mendoza. It is so nice to see you. It's been a long time. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Good to see you. Thanks for falling through. We will get to everything happening on the diamond in a second. But first, let's start with the Women in Sports Foundation uh, salute to women in sports program that you are hosting virtually on Yahoo tomorrow night. Uh, First, what does it mean to you to be hosting it? And part two of that is what are you most looking to who or what are you most looking forward to? You know, honest, I mean, first of all, this is like 20 years now of attending this dinner, this event. Um, I met Billie Jean King back fresh when I was in college. And, you know, she changed my life as far as paying it forward and what we need to do as female athletes to ensure that more girls get the opportunity to play sports. And so I've, I've been a president of the foundation. I've been on the board now to have the opportunity to host a very meaningful dinner. First of all, it's a celebration right, of all the accomplishments that we've seen throughout the year, 
a lot of times I, I look forward to these because not only do you get the super famous names, you know, like a Serena Williams or a Megan Rapinoe that's there and you kind of get like awestruck, but you also get athletes that you might never have known, you know, from like a rock climber or, you know, wheelchair basketball, you know, sports that you're like, oh my gosh, like you absolutely kick butt in what you do. I am a huge fan now understanding your story, your background. And unfortunately, with the way the media works a lot of times, we don't see a lot of these female athletes in the spotlight. So tonight we get to celebrate them. You know, Jessica, you said something great. You said uh, Billie Jean uh, King changed your life. And I think, you know, in a lot of these cases, when you get to a certain level, you know, it's easy to take for granted where you were uh, and, and where you are. You know, you kind of forget the journey or just like, think, man, I've learned so much in these 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Where were you before you met Billie Jean King and how did she like, is there something she said or something she did that really got your attention? You said, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. it was actually, you know, I mean, she's powerful, right? You could read her books, you could be around her and we're all around, you know, big time athletes and it's never what they accomplish on the court or how many followers they have or how famous they are that ever strikes me. And I think you guys are the same way where it's like who you are as a person. Like, let's be real, let's have a chat. Let's just talk, wrap it out for five minutes and immediately you can tell who's real. And with Billie Jean, it was actually the moment, it was funny, we were going through the White House. She was meeting with Barack Obama. I didn't get the pleasure, but we had just met with some senators to work on some Title IX legislation. We'd kind of worked the entire day trying to meet with different people to get some more activation within Title IX, she was going to meet with the president. And I remember we're walking down the hall and we had just had this lunch with Valerie Jarrett, you know, his chief of staff. And they're like, okay, you've got like 30 seconds. We got to get down to meet with President Obama. And she's like, I need to go thank the people that made this meal. And she gets up and like, they're like, wait, hold up, where'd Billie Jean go? She's in the kitchen, literally going around, thanking the cooks, (laughs) thanking the waiters, thanking the dude washing the dishes. And like legitimate, no one's watching. No one even knew it was like she was gone. Like people were like, she's made with the price. Like she's going to be late. Where'd she go? We have secret service looking for her everywhere. And she's in the, the dang kitchen, making sure that the people of service, that every single one of them understood how much she appreciated just a simple meal that she got to eat in the White House. That's and dope. it just, it, it blew my mind because to see their eyes get this big, and I'm sure they've had all kinds of people walk through that place. I doubt they've had any of them give them the appreciation that she did. And it was a good reminder for me, honestly, to take time to thank people and be grateful, especially for those that don't get thanked very often. Uh, I love that. I love that story. And, you know, uh, Jess, I got to tell you, you know, 80% of the time, I fancy myself as a serious journalist. Uh, I'm objective. I'm not going to fan out on this thing. But then 20% of the time, I'm just a straight out baseball fan. So last week, I came on here, and I caped up hard for the L.A. Dodgers. They're everything that's right about baseball. And if you don't know baseball, watch the Dodgers. You'll learn something. And, and uh, they got one more loss, and they're out of this thing. They're, they take their 106 wins, and they might be going home. Tell me what you see in this series, and do the Dodgers have any chance of overcoming a 107-win Giants team that, frankly, I haven't really taken that seriously all season long, even though they got those 107 wins. You and everybody. I mean, this Dodger team, as soon as the postseason started, remember this Dodger team was in the wild card. Like they had to win that game. They were picked to win the World Series. This Giants team still 
gets no respect. There's a reason why they came out on top one game over the Dodgers. And I, I just, I look at everything that they do. They don't have that star power. They don't honestly have the same amount of spending money that the, the Dodgers have spent on so many. They didn't make the huge trades, although they did get Chris Bryant. And the Los Angeles Dodgers, I mean, they are good. They won the World Series last year. There's a reason why they're the favorite. But right now, the Giants are better. And I think this, to me, this series is the World Series. These are the two best teams in baseball. So, yes, I give so much credit to the Giants. But the Dodgers are right there within one game of what I believe is the best team in baseball. So as much as we're paying attention, the Red Sox and the American League, we got Astros and White Sox are playing right now. These are the teams. It comes down to the Dodgers and Giants, and it disappoints me it's a five-game series here in the division series when this feels like a World Series game. Break this down for us, though, Jess. Like, the Dodgers, I believe, were shut out five times all season. They've been shut out twice in three days by the Giants. What are what is San Francisco's staff and what are they doing defensively to to stemi, to flummox, to frustrate, whatever you want to say, basically just to shut down this high-powered Dodgers offense? Michael, you nailed it. Like the defense, right? And I, I mean, I look at guys, right? I get like Tyler Rogers, who came in yesterday for three innings and you talk about submarines, like I'm going to go, I mean, his knuckles are literally like hitting the ground as he's coming mm. around to try to pitch. I mean, he is crazy throwing a four oh, seam good. fastball into a two seam. Yeah. I mean, do, he's like do, down do, here. That's, like, that's good stuff. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's a telestration no, right there. <laughs> they don't have like the big, huge stars, but they've got these like different dudes that would do weird stuff. I mean, Tyler, we, not that we've never seen a, a submariner, but this guy is a different look out of the bullpen. And then Camilo Duvall, who is 24 years old, he never even made it out of a ball last year. Okay. 24 years old. He comes up, throws 103 miles an hour. And I get it. People are throwing three digits, hundred miles an hour. Plus it's, it's happening more and more, but this guy is ridiculous, but he struggled with command. So they work, they develop. Hey, whoever thought of that, instead of just paying guys, once they do it, a ton of money, let's go ahead and develop and make them stars. That's what the San Francisco Giants that are doing with a guy they just put in his closer for the first time last night. And he didn't, they didn't ask for just three outs in the ninth. They asked for six outs starting in the eighth. And he was ridiculous against one of the best offenses you will see. And then lastly is the positioning. I mean, Brandon Crawford goes up and you're talking NBA like dunk type hops mm -hmm. that he made at shortstop to take away a line drive from Mookie Betts. That was the game for me. But there also was defensive positioning. They had outfielders playing literally in left center field, in right center field, shifting. We talk about infield shifts. They had an outfield shift that I have never seen before so far off the line. And Chris Taylor hit a double and against any other team. But there was a guy camped out in left center field because of their positioning. This is all kind of boring analytic stuff, but it's what the Giants no, are that's doing what different. We're no, it ain't boring. Without, without no, having not. all the stars. <laughs> well, it's because like, hey, I went down that's, here that's, and I was showing my softball. <laughs> that's, a, that's cool, though. That's cool. I like it. I, I couldn't even do that in an illustration, so I appreciate it. Look, uh, Jessica, before I ask you about the Red Sox, I, I do want to ask you one thing about managing an MLB. I got a buddy I work with. He's from Philly, and he said to me a few weeks ago, he said, see, this just proves that managing in Major League Baseball is overrated or it's, it's inconsequential because Gabe Kapler was in Philly and they ran him out of Philly and now he's in San Francisco and they got the most wins in baseball. And I think that's a little too simplistic. You tell me though, hey, 
what effect is it managing? Does managing have, is it three wins? Is it just the atmosphere? What does a, a, a modern major league manager uh, bring to a team when, when, uh, when they're doing it right? Watch Alex Cora right now with the Red Sox. I believe a manager has never had a bigger role on a team. And I'm with your friend at times. I do think the front office has more of a role than we've ever seen where the manager used to be the one making the lineups, making all the decisions. Now it's a, it's a team effort. You've got president of baseball operations. You've got general managers. Shoot, you've got a bunch of nerds out of Harvard that are coming in with a bunch of numbers and they're making decisions, right? So it's not just the manager, but Alex Cora, when it comes to now, right? Throw out the numbers, throw out all the stuff. It really comes to knowing your personnel, understanding matchups, and really flat out feel of the game. He is 15 and four in postseason games, and that is no coincidence. Alex Cora is legit. He is real, he's accountable, and he's authentic. And when you are like that as a leader, you get those around you to follow you and you get them to listen. And they're also the ones that you can throw up against the wall and tell them, you need to be better right now. And that's when you get the best out of your team. Not when you're rah-rah, hey, I love you, good job, a little smack on the butt. It's when you can get in a guy's face and get the best out of him. And I feel like no one does that better than Alex Cora. Hey, listen, uh, Jessica, uh, Michael, you know, you've known Michael for a long time. Hey, welcome to the family. I'm just going to tell you some family secrets. Now, I'm a crier. I will cry. <laughs> I cry more now than I ever have. That's, that's so fine. Watching. Oh, oh, yeah, I am. And I, and I got there last night. I'm watching Alex Cora celebrate on the field with his daughter. daughter. There were like three or four hugs, long hugs. Then he just, he didn't even try to hide it. You know, I might say, oh, you know, a little something in my eye. He was crying last night. I think part of it was, I'm just guessing, and I'd, I'd love your opinion on this. This man was out of baseball last year. He has yep. gone out of his way to say, yes, I did something wrong. I deserve the ban I got. Uh, I, I embarrassed myself. I embarrassed my family. And so to be out of baseball in 2020, to be rehired by the Red Sox in 2021, a team that wasn't expected to be in the playoffs and to be in the ALCS, just imagine the emotion. So I, I, how, do you, how do you look at Cora, just all the, the journey that he's been through in the last year, year and a half? I mean, he's taken us through it. He's being really honest with complete strangers. I mean, he's been vocal about the mistakes that he's made. And I feel like a very authentic sorrow that he feels for what happened. And there's, you know, you talk to Astros players, you're going to get into a bunch of different stories and reasons, maybe chip on your shoulder, anger for how people are still reacting. I mean, shoot, Chicago White Sox pitcher Ryan DePere still accusing the Astros of cheating as he did yesterday or Monday, you know, saying that, you know, they pitched or they hit differently in Chicago, but you come back to Alex. He is a family man. And I know he cares about not only the repercussions, the decision that he made fell upon him and the responsibility that he had to take. But as we all know, it affects all of us, right? It affects our kids. It affects our spouses, our mom and dad. You know, they're in this with us, right? And that's Alex Cora. And I think he let us in to a moment post-game, not only the tears, but also the like, I want you here to celebrate this and feel this with me because you've been there at my low last year and his daughter Camila and, and what they've shared and honestly probably what she went through as well. When dad gets in trouble, his face is all over the place, headlines that aren't positive ones, that's your dad. And I think he just brought us into that and I appreciate it. And I think that when I was talking about getting the most out of your players, it's when you're able to be a real human, you're able to be raw and honestly admit wrong. 
because that's one of the hardest things to do. But to me, it's one of the biggest strengths that you can do if you're a leader is let people in on who you really are and be not be afraid to admit that I'm not perfect. Takes one to know one. Jessica. Yeah, and, and just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. that's right. That's right. Authentic. I love I love your, your, your phrasing on that, too. It's just really great. A lot. You said a lot of good things that I agree with completely. And the last thing before we get you out of here, uh, you talked about the Dodgers and Giants. That's that's really the World Series. Two best teams. How about the American League? Who is the best team? Is it the Astros? Do you see the Red Sox? We haven't given any love to White Sox. Who who's the best team left in the American League? Houston Astros. And I, you know, I love what the Red Sox are doing. I love how they came back on a really great team in Tampa Bay that won 100, 100 games. Chicago White Sox at the beginning of the year, I would have picked them. They're the most talented. I mean, them and the Yankees are all you heard about when you think back to March and April. Yankees are gone. Chicago's still here. We'll see. But to me, Houston Astros. And the reason is, is not only they can pitch, they've got the bullpen. But oh my goodness, can they flat out rake? And I do believe that they've got something to prove. And that, you know, that fuel, I think we all have that in us, right? When people say enough bad things about you, you feel like, you know, everyone sees you as a cheater, regardless if you were on that team in 2017 or not. But they are writing something right now that I think is pretty darn special. Well, speaking of special, sorry, Michael, but wouldn't mind seeing Dusty versus the Giants. That could be fun. That could be a fun World Series. I know, I know Michael's still pulling Heck for the yeah. Dodgers. Uh, <laughs> always pulling for you, Jessica Mendoza. Uh, we will check you out tomorrow night. Uh, the Women's Sports Foundation's annual salute to women in sports. Streaming on Yahoo. You are hosting yes. it. Uh, Going to be a wonderful night. Wonderful rest of the playoffs. We'll be listening for your amazing analysis. Thank you for that demonstration. That was, that was awesome. <laughs> Best telestration we've That's ever had good. on the show. Yeah, it's all the camera work, being able to get, you know, this angle down. There you go. Look, that's a professional selfie taker right there. That's somebody who knows how to take selfies. You you know about angles, optimal angles. Jessica Mendoza, we appreciate you so much. Come see us again soon. Thank you, guys. All right, take it easy. You know, I'm not going to answer all these questions today. I think I've addressed it already. Uh, I can't remember a lot of the things that transpired 10 or 12 years ago, but um, I stand here uh, in front of everybody apologizing. I know I'm not, uh, I don't have an ounce of, of racism in me. I'm a, a guy that takes pride in leading people together, and I'll continue to do that for the rest of my life. And again, I apologize to D. Smith and anybody out there that, that I have offended. See, thing is, <laughs> Little old racism, a couple of little racist tropes. That was enough for the Raiders to have John Gruden remain as their head coach on Sunday. Oh, but once Uh the Times uh got word of emails spanning a seven year period that included sexist, homophobic, and misogynistic language. Oh, well, you no longer can represent the brand, and your services are no longer required, John Gruden. So, John Gruden. Out last night, shook up the entire NFL world, ironically fired during Monday Night Football, got fired on his day off. Um, and so here we are. And Michael, you know how people say journalism is dying? How about PR? Yeah. Because either John Gruden doesn't have a publicist or he doesn't listen to his publicist because he doubled down with another half ass apology. 
issued through the Raiders. I have resigned as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. I love the Raiders and do not want to be a distraction. Thank you to all the players, yeah. coaches, staff, and fans of Raider Nation. I'm sorry I never meant to hurt anyone. Close quote. Uh, wrong D word, bro. Wrong D word. This isn't a distraction. You are a disgrace. You yeah. are a detriment to progress, to inclusivity. Okay, you are disrespecting the legacy of Al Davis. You are no longer, you and tarnish the shield, as they say. And you tarnish yeah. the shield, as they say. Okay, so this isn't about being a distraction. That's that football mentality. I don't want to be a distraction. This is bigger than you, John Gruden, which we'll get to momentarily. But Michael, I'd love to just know your initial reaction. Yesterday, we were sitting here responding to what we thought was one email and one yeah. group that he went at. Turns out yeah. John Gruden had issues with everybody. He had a lot of skeletons right. in his closet. Not everybody. just a racist bone, but skeletons. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody. The, the, as I said to uh, Doc Johnson last night, I was texting with him. He's a, he's a diversity, equity, and inclusion vigilante. Like, he, he's, he just took out everybody. Like, so it's not just uh, black folks. He got a problem with black folks. He got a problem with women. He has a problem with homosexuals. He has a problem with anybody who doesn't agree with him and have the worldview that he has from the very platform that he sits on. And speaking of the platform, bruh, why are you so angry? He's just an angry little man. This, this is not hey, one of those cases, hey Michael. Mike. Yeah. Hey, hey Michael, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry to do this. You were just getting going. But remember, so yeah. Steve Weiss from NFL Media, NFL Network, is supposed to get, join us right now. Want to be respectful yeah. to him. He's got five minutes before he's got to bounce. Please hold your thoughts. Okay. We're going to bring in Steve Weiss because we wanted to get his I'd love okay, to cool. hear Weiss. Yeah. I want yeah, to hear Weiss before to get his insight. <laughs> okay. I hear Weiss. Hey, Steve, thank you for joining us. We know your time is short. We appreciate it. Big question I have, and if we have time, I know Michael's got a question for you, I'm sure, as well. Big question I have is this. Where does this go from here? So John Gruden took the fall, rightfully so. He didn't send those emails to himself. Most, mostly corresponding with Bruce Allen, 650,000 emails included Ooh. in this investigation. A lot of calls for transparency. Where does this go? How deep will the rabbit hole, how deep and wide will the rabbit hole go? I don't think the rabbit hole is deep and wide at all, fellas. I mean, I think, you know, what this is, is, is in terms of how, where this goes from here, it's going to be almost solely on the Raiders who honestly had nothing to do with this but employ John Gruden, seemingly not knowing about these emails. Um, but in terms of the fact that this whole thing came about when the NFL was investigating and, a, and an outside firm was investigating the Washington football team for workplace misconduct, sexual misconduct allegations. So they found they had these 650 emails. Some of them dealt with what was going on there, and some of them dealt with John Gruden's emails. I'm assuming a small portion here. So the league and people at the league are saying, okay, we've already handled the stuff with the Washington football team. We find them $10 million and taken owner Dan Snyder out of day-to-day -day operations, mm. and they've gotten rid of some of the, the bad apples. Right, but John Gruden, who wasn't working for that team, who was working for ESPN, who was sending these awful emails, some of them topless pictures of cheerleaders, you know, talking in homophobic slurs, criticizing players who protested the National Anthem. We saw what we said about D. Smith. He gave the weak-ass um, apology about, oh, yeah, I call people rubber lips, you know, even though he said D. Smith is a dumb or Smith. 
It has lips the size of Michelin tires. We know what that's about. Okay. Yeah. But he's the one losing his job over this. And Washington, okay, the $10 million fine, the owners are – guys, I, I think it pretty much stops here. From every conversation wow. I've had, it seems like when it comes to transparency, this John Gruden disaster is about as transparent as it seems like we're going to get on this. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that that's that's my word, too. Uh, Mike, wow. you want to ask a question? Uh, yeah, I do. I want to ask, how do you feel? Um, I, I, what, 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 I, I'll say it this way. I was a little disturbed by the players kind of caping up for him on Sunday. A lot of them want to dismiss it. Hey, that was 10 years ago. We know that's a lie. Like John Gruden clearly lied to them about what was in those emails. He knew and he didn't give them all of that. How did you feel about players like coming to his defense? And do you think that that anybody on the Raiders still stands stands up for John Gruden? Well, here, here's what I'll say about the players. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not going to hate on most of them. They're 24, 25 years old. They don't know how a lot of this stuff works, right? Some of them should have been offended. But remember, guys, we're not allowed into locker rooms. The people put in front of the microphone are handpicked by the organization, by the media relations department to come out and speak on subjects. They had just finished playing a football game that they lost, right? That's where their mind is. They're not thinking about their head coach. They're collateral damage in all of this. So, you know, I'm not going to sit there saying that they're caping up for John Gruden because they might not have known all of this. And again, they just played a football game. And so things could be different today, knowing that they came out, he came out, had all these homophobic things, and they've got the first openly gay player, Carl Nassib, to start a football game, the regular contributor um, on their team. Maybe he's got something to say about it. Maybe he doesn't. Um, this is this is a weird scenario to sit here and say, you know, on the players. Now, I'm sure some of these players now are like, I can't, I couldn't work for this man. We saw one of the issues with the Houston Texans years ago when everything started to fall apart there, when guys like Dwayne Brown and whatnot – like, I can't deal with Bob McNair coming into our meeting room the day after the election and saying, I'm sure some of you guys are happy that Obama won, but I'm not really down with that, so keep that to yourself. Or him coming out later when it comes out in a report at an owner's meeting, him saying, hey, we can't have the inmates running the prison, knowing what that implies the year after the whole Colin Kaepernick and the player protest uprising with taking a knee and whatnot. So that you had a lot of players there like, I, I can't rock with this guy. We had other players said, I got to feed my family. So I'll play. I'll play football and I won't worry about how our owners. But guys, look, we all know there are people we've worked for, work with, who may not, who we know may be racist or we, we know who may be homophobic or we may know who do not align with us politically. And we find ways to navigate that as people of color. We have to find ways to navigate mm. through the world yeah. like this. Yeah, right. And, and that's, that's the unfortunate thing about all of this, right? John Gruden wasn't sending those emails to himself. He was sending them to a president of the Washington football team who clearly wow. is like-minded. That employed his brother. They're clearly like-minded. So we're cool for seven years sending emails talking about why is the NFL feeling pressure to hire female referees? Like, what is all of this yeah. going on? So, you know, this is – again, I, I am not excusing John Gruden. He scapegoated himself. You know, and I got no love for that because we all know people, again, who are cool to our faces and go talk ish about us behind our backs. A lot of times in racist terms or things like this. So that's the way that's the way we people of color have to navigate through the world that a lot of people have no idea 
do not understand this is the water we swim in. Okay, so so that's you know that's how we have to deal. So John Gruden losing his job over this, that's on him. But the fact that the transparency is allowing some other people to kind of skate, you know, that's I think a, t- a tough thing that you know, we have to live with. Um, and hopefully the NFL, when it talk about transparency, will not be so arbitrary in doing so. That's fascinating. Well, we know we got to let you go, man. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Uh, we know you'd be all Good over this story. You. Interesting to see if the league ignores all the calls for transparency into this Washington football team investigation and that John Gruden is the only person uh, who takes the fall for his emails out of those 650,000. Whatever happens. Don't delete those emails. Part. Thanks for taking the time. Don't delete them. You got it, fellas. Thanks take for care. taking the time. Appreciate you, man. Hey, Mike. Um, right, let's go ahead and take a break. And hey, we're going to get the rest of We're going to keep yeah. talking about this on the other side. All right? Don't lose your thought, okay? Yeah. I won't. Yeah, like I said, Mike, let's not delete those 650,000 emails. We need those. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Sorry, Mike. Sorry, Mike. You were saying? No, that's what I was saying. Look, I love Marcus Thompson the third. Thank you, Marcus. I, I I know writers don't always write the headlines, but the key word in that headline there is betrayed. John Gruden, you're a sellout. He's a sellout. You know. You know. There are so many people, Mike, and you've met them. It's a fraud. It, 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 absolutely fraud. There are so many people in the profession, you've met them, and so have I, who have really worked hard to get to the position that they're at in the National Football League. A lot of them are coaches, assistant coaches, general managers, and I'll even say, even though a lot of people don't say nice things about them all the time, I'll even say owners. Like everybody, every owner wasn't born with a silver spoon. Every owner didn't just like have it like that from birth. Some of them really... Uh, worked hard and and got some breaks and understand that they got some breaks and they don't think they're smart just because they they uh, fell into a league where if you just mind your P's and Q's you're going to make a lot of money. So there are a lot of people in this mm-hmm. business who are doing who are in it for the right reasons who really want to bring people together who really want to lead all kinds of people and really want to learn and are curious and John Gruden sitting there working for ESPN like there's no excuse you didn't you it's not like you were personally affected your team was personally affected. he had no team he's working for Monday Night Football he's making millions of dollars he's got one of the most powerful platforms in all of sports millions of people listening to him millions of people being entertained by him educated by him and all he does the pattern of emails All he does is just sit behind the scenes and just throw darts and haymakers at every sign of progress and every development that goes against his very limited, very narrow worldview. Sell out. 
Like football, that's not really what it is. I heard some people talking last night. I was at, uh, at the studio in Boston last night, and one of our uh, producers, female producers, said very cynically, hey, we, sh- we shouldn't be surprised because what John Gruden is saying, hey, a lot of people say that it's the NFL. And I said, no, 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 no. The NFL, this is not, this is not seventh grade football at, at, at the local corner. This is a business. This is a multi-billion dollar business. And I understand there are some owners who think that way and and some owners who talk that way. But for the most part, if you want to be successful at your business, you cannot allow somebody, you cannot allow somebody to to kind of push those thoughts. And and that's why he's out, because it's bad for the brand. Yeah, and you know, I'd say this, Mike. Uh, Not only clearly... Is he a racist? Not only is he a misogynist, uh, not only is he a homophobe, he's a liar. He's a liar. And for him, you said it perfectly yesterday, where he can sit there and determine, he thinks he can determine where the story begins, where the middle of the story is, and where the story ends. It's crazy to me. He sat there. I don't know what exactly he said to those players, but he didn't tell them the truth. What he said to ESPN, he tried to use, he tried to leverage his relationship with his former employer and, and try to skew the story in a certain direction. He lied. He lied trying to think that he could save his job and save his reputation. I'm so disturbed by his behavior and those he's connected to. Well, that's what I John Gruden. Well, that's what I want to get to. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want to get to. I, I'm saying I, so, I'm I'm a, I'm going to toss it to you on this. I'll just say this. John Gruden is a two-time is a two-time three-time head coach in the NFL. Bruce Allen has been the general manager essentially of the Raiders, of the Buccaneers, and the Washington football team. Why why am I saying that? These people these people get opportunities uh, These sick minded, twisted, very small people get opportunities. Yet there are hardworking folks out there at all levels of the NFL who are trying to get into this club, who are trying to prove themselves and people at the highest levels allow this to happen and ignore those who are legitimately trying to do it the right way. It's, it's, it's disappointing and it's disheartening. It is the NFL. A couple of things. It is the NFL, but it's not just the NFL. Like I said yesterday, this is society at large. The NFL is as big as it is. It still is a microcosm of something that has affected and infected society since the founding of this country. Okay. Um, It's been said that racism is so American until when you protest racism, people think you're anti-American. And so the thing about racism, racism is a lot like Hydra. You cut off one head and two take its place. So John Gruden's out of a job. Fine. Now what? You know, because this fight within the NFL, remember, it takes all of us. Let's not forget, it takes all of us. This fight within the NFL cannot end with the dismissal of John Gruden. That's too swift and that's too easy. It's a much dirtier, much, much messier, much more uncomfortable fight to your point, Michael, to take down the entire network in which he operated, okay?
couple of things I just want to uh, I want to touch on. I mean, the thing about John Gruden, one other thing you didn't call him is a dinosaur, because I figured I long suspected that the game had passed him by. I didn't know the world had passed him by. I'm gonna say that again. Say it again. All right, let, let's take a break. We'll get it right. I want to hear what Mike has to say on this. Take a quick break. And uh, we'll get back to it. We'll get it right. This, this story is too important. We'll get it. Hang with us for a second. John Gruden is a dinosaur. I've long since suspected that the game passed him by. I didn't know the world and society had passed him by as well. Um, but a couple of things I want to get off my chest in no particular order. Uh, we talked a lot yesterday. A lot's happened since yesterday. Um, let me start with Demora Smith, where this all started. Um, and we could take every offense one by one, but in particular, Demora Smith and the idea. See, a lot of people latched on to the lips the size of Michelin tires racist trope. And the Dumbora Smith bothered me more than that one, believe it or not. Yeah. Because the idea that Demora Smith is dumb yeah. is right. idiotic in and of itself. Demora Smith is one of the most intelligent, one of the most accomplished, one of the most successful attorneys in the country and cannot achieve this position in life. Hey, newsflash for John Gruden and people who think like him. We don't get nowhere in life. Black people don't yeah. do a, do jack in this life without being two or three times as good or doing two or three times as much. But here's a mediocre white man want to call Demora Smith dumb. That's number one. Number two, speaking of dumb, speaking of idiotic, all right? Noah's idiotic is this conspiracy theory that I've seen trafficked about how this was, this was leaked out of all the 650,000 emails, this was leaked not only to get, take down John Gruden, but to help Demora Smith achieve reelection. Okay. So let me get this straight. An okay. insult to Demora Smith's intelligence is now being used to further insult the collective intelligence of NFL players who you believe are going to cast their vote for a union executive director based on trying to stick it to the man. Yeah. So we all just going to stick together and vote for the brother because we mad because <gasps> shocking an NFL coach is racist and come to find out misogynistic, homophobic and sexist as well and everything. everything. I mean, the, you know, yeah. that, that that's insulting in and of itself. It's, and a couple other things. We talked about racist bones yesterday, Michael, you broke down. I remember you said it ain't a racist bone. It's a racist spirit. I want to talk about and you referenced this earlier, the racist rescue squad. And you and you also talked yesterday about the inherent forgiveness that we have, we as black people default to tell me about it, bro. Yes, there are always black people on standby at the ready. <laughs> Just like there are always women oh, on standby Lord. on speed dial to oh, say truth, that man. a man no, was never truth. inappropriate. They were never inappropriate around me. There's no way he could be a rapist or, or commit sexual assault. Mm. He was never that way with me. There are so many black people cannot wait to cape up and say what a white person is or isn't because he ain't never been that way around you. I, well, if in there is, I ain't synced it. So since he, you ain't never seen him be racist, 
He can't right. be racist. Come on now. Right. Like, retire from the racist rescue squad. The pay ain't worth it. The price ain't worth it. Okay? That's all I got for now. You got anything else? I don't yeah, want to ramble. Hey, hey look. Hey, 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 you're not rambling. Hey, listen. Everything you said is spot on. And can I just say one more thing? One more thing. You talk about the network. And you're talking about the network uh, of the good old boys club, the good old boys club where where Bruce Allen can write from his work email in a toxic workplace under Daniel Snyder and be very comfortable doing it where the co-founder of Hooters and other business owners can be in on this 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 hateful this hateful chain of insults when they talk about the commissioner and they talk about um, Concussion drafted Michael and they talk about drafted Michael Sam Michael women Sam. referees. Yeah, women referees Barack Obama, of course right. Joe, Joe Biden, Biden naturally they, 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 So they want to Check talk about all, the all these things <laughs> But that's a network that is the that's the good old boys network where they're just very comfortable doing this and John Gruden working for ESPN writing from his personal account writing to his, his buddies in, in corporate America not down the street, corporate America here writing these thoughts. But how about the network that hired him? Now, I'm not saying ESPN understood who John Gruden was. I, I, I got a larger, I got a larger point here. Oh, you, Just you could. I think, hey, hey, you could. Right. And I, I, I take I no qualms with that. I take no qualms with you suggesting that there are some like-minded people at the highest levels of that company. Take no I'm sure. no argument. I'm here. sure there are. I'm sure there are. But what I'm saying is this, Mike, just as there are folks in the NFL who are working their way up, what they the best way they know. They're not connected. They're not in that little email chain. They don't know. Maybe they are they are earnestly, naively trying to do the job one way when when they don't even know that Oh, no, no, no. This is not how decisions are made. Decisions are made on these email chains. Decisions are made in this little group. And we'll let in who we want to let in, but it's very rarely based on merit. So right. just like there are folks in the NFL who are trying to get in, who are trying to uh, get promoted, scouts and coaches and general managers and people trying to break into ownership, there are people in broadcasting who are trying to do the same thing. And I'm just saying. Right. That's ESPN, ESPN, take this in every other network, not just ESPN, every other network, every other just company. Pause the next time, right? Pause the next time you see a big shiny name, a big name, and say, Well, they have been fired from the NFL. Hey, why don't we just bring them in without vetting them, without checking their uh, resume, without uh, without talking to people who know them, we'll just bring them in and hire them because they're a big name. Well, you got well, it. Well, Michael, you got what hold you on, deserve. Hold on. You got what minute, you deserve. Wait a minute. 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 You give you you being awfully presumptuous here. You being awfully presumptuous unintentionally Maybe. about the fact that the Maybe. vetting process, even if it had revealed these, let's just call them character flaws, would have been <laughs> some kind of a deterrent. Yeah. True you, you, I, true, I mean, true. true. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I mean, like I told yeah. you, like they travel in packs. Like this, this dude wasn't, wasn't, wasn't alone. Again, he wasn't emailing himself. 
And he's and and, and if, he, if this is what he emailed, what do you think he said? What do you think was said to him? That's why transparency is essential if the NFL really wants to wait for it. Inspire change. <laughs> Let's go to break. Yeah. Hey, listen, we got more company on hey, the other side. Before we go to break, what, what, you can do it over the two music. more things, yeah. two more quick things. As a music yeah. plays, two more things. Keep lift every voice and sing out your mouth. Okay. Keep it out your mouth. Keep it out your mouth. This one. This league. Leave it alone. It ain't got nothing to do with you. It ain't got nothing to do with you. Two, I'd be very careful. You talk about the racist rescue squ- uh, squad. I'd be very careful about defending John Gruden when, as we said one more time, the 650,000 emails. We haven't heard all of them yet. As bad as it is now, <laughs> we haven't heard We're not all his. and seen. <laughs> I think, we've heard, I think we've heard all of John Gruden's emails. I, I can't imagine I don't think we have. that something was not. Leaked. I don't think we have. No? Wow. Oh my God. I don't God. think we have. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. So right. I would just. I, I think, I think I they're standing down. I show some restraint. I think they're I show standing some restraint. down. You got a little bit of wisdom. Throw a little wisdom. You got to let it play out. I have no comment on that. I have no comment on that right now. <laughs> The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you make a decision like this, it's one that you don't want to do it hastily. Uh, again, involve all the parties. Uh, think about all the variety of different outcomes. I think we all know what our objective is this year and how this a decision like this may be able to fix that uh, ultimate objective. So they're never easy decisions. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think we're looking at um, putting a group of people out there that are, are, are going to be able to participate fully. And that's where this comes down to. And we're, we're not looking for uh, partners that are going to be, you know, halftime. I don't think that'd be fair, uh, not only on the team and staff and ownership and fans, but to be quite frank, not fair on Kyrie either. Uh, when you're putting somebody out there that potentially can't get the right ramp ups and right build ups and so forth um, and, and look as good as he or the team should under a different set of circumstances. That's why this decision was ultimately made. And again, you know, my job here is, is to make, you know, what's what we deem is the best decision for and best choices for the organization moving ahead and as a whole. And, you know, they're not always ones that are going to be met with open arms and, you know, a thumbs up. These are hard decisions. And just like I'm sure it wasn't easy for Kyrie either to make that to have to be able to not be around his teammates. As Brooklyn's finest, Jay-Z wants rap. I'm the boss and this is how it's going to be, says Sean Marks. He said, look, I remade his choice. We made ours and we choose not to have a part-time player who can only practice at home and only play on road games. You're either all in or you're all out. In now with us is David Gardner. He is a writer with the New York Times, Washington Post, The Ringer, Sports Illustrated. You've seen his work everywhere. Great uh, follow on Twitter. And speaking of Twitter, David, thank you for joining us. I thought you brought up a very interesting point uh, when you when you questioned whether the Nets can just simply snap their fingers and do this, 
that the Players Association should in theory be up in arms about essentially suspending a player who is not violating any team or league rules. They're just choosing not to play him on the road, even though he's available. How do you see this playing out? Because Sean Marks seemed to think that uh, Kyrie was going to be okay with this. Uh, we'll, we'll see what Kyrie thinks. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the baseline for this, of course, is that Kyrie Irving should get vaccinated. You know, like, let's start right there. Let's start with the obvious thing. This is a public health crisis. It's not an individual choice. Everybody has to do what's best for their entire communities, in Kyrie Irving's case, for his teammates as well. That being said, I do think that there's an interesting labor angle to this, which is that Kyrie Irving is not in violation of any league rules right now, and there's nothing that prevents him from going into the practice facility. So I'm just curious to know how the Nets are going to handle what's a really delicate situation if, for example, Kyrie decides to really push the button and say that he wants to be available for road games and say that he wants to be in the practice facility. They can bench him, just like any coach can bench any player for any reason at any time, but can they actually prevent him from showing up to these places? I'm not sure about that, and it'll be interesting. It puts the NBA Players Association in an interesting perspective, and it puts Kyrie in an interesting position, too, if he really wants to push the button here. You know, Dave, uh, Sean Marks really sounded good when he was giving his explanation of, of what the Nets were going to do. But I, part of me thinks, all right, Marks and Steve Nash and maybe even the players think we've got the, we've got the, the foundation of a championship team with or without Kyrie. And do you agree with that? Like, mm -hmm. do you still see them? Let's just, let's just imagine Kyrie's not there all year. I think that's extreme. But let's just imagine that. Do you still think Brooklyn is the best team in the Eastern Conference and ultimately the NBA. Well, I think until the Bucks are knocked off their throne, you've got to say that they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. I'm a big believer in if you did it last year, you you're still that on right top now? this year. I think that right you think now. The Bucks are better than got... the Nets? What's that? Oh, uh, do Whoa. I have a supporter over there, Michael? No, no, I don't have a supporter. No, he's not a supporter. No, I, not I, I, I'm just saying you just made uh, a best friend in Michael Holly. Uh, your first your sure. first time coming on brother from another you just endeared yourself to Michael Holly, but continue Hey, listen, I'm happy to be back anytime. I'll trade off who I'm going to, you know, flatter from segment to segment. But I would say that, you know, right now, right. I think that the Nets are a championship roster either way. They've got, you know, Kevin Durant, who's one of the three best players in the NBA right now, maybe the most deadly scorer of all time. I really like the rookies that they brought in this year. I just wrote an interesting story about Dayron Sharp. I think he gives them some more depth in the front court. I think that they've got all the pieces together right now. And I think that, to your point earlier, from Sean Marks, perspective, what's going to be more important in building a championship team is having that cohesion on the roster. If Kyrie's in sometimes and he's out sometimes, it's going to be really hard to know what to do. And it also put them in a really fascinating position in terms of the playoffs. Like, if he was still going to play, if he was still in their plans, were they going to, like, tank to get a worse seed so that they'd have four games on the road instead of three games at home so that they could have Kyrie available more often? From a roster perspective, it makes more sense to do what they're doing and to just move forward with the players that they have who are able to play a complete season or, you know, barring any health considerations. Okay, I want to point out here, you, you don't know me, so I'll tell you this. Uh, just to, just put my put my all my stuff out there. I'm vaccinated, been vaccinated from the first moment I was allowed to do it. So I believe in vaccinations. But with that being said, Kyrie Irving doesn't believe in it for whatever reason. Do you have a little respect for him, though, in that these are his principles 
And I know a lot of people say, hey, it's very selfish. You know, the, the team's trying to win a championship. For him, it's bigger than basketball. So if these are his principles, this is something he believes in. Do you respect that this is a person who is willing to go this far, even if it upsets other people, to stick to something that he believes in? I'm not, I'm not making you respect. I'm just asking. I'm asking a question. Uh, I, I think that a lot of people have convictions that they uphold that I don't agree with. You know, there are very prominent people who have very powerful positions who hold very abhorrent positions to me. So I don't think just being strong in your convictions makes you a respectable person. You have to have convictions that have integrity and, ha- and, and matter and consider other people over yourselves for me to respect that. So I guess, you know, it's interesting that he's willing to go this far and there's something noteworthy about that. I think I'd stop short of respect, though, because, you know, we can make a lot of extreme examples. You know, there are white nationalists who are very impassioned about their position. That doesn't mean I respect them just because they're willing to make sacrifices along the road towards trying to create this horrible society. So I, I don't got think it, that but just still, necessarily but, you know, but Dave, having that. But to be fair, so look, but the, the unvaccinated, I wouldn't make that, you know, that that's going too far. They it's I'm not making a direct comparison, with. but I'm saying some people have convictions and just having a conviction alone but is not case, making you worthy of respect. So in this case, somebody um, who doesn't who doesn't believe in, in vaccinations. You, you, you're just saying, look, you don't believe in vaccinations. I can't get down with that during a public health crisis. That, that's your position. I don't think that that's a respectable position to hold right now. I think it's a selfish okay. position to hold. Right. Um, whatever respect John Gruden commanded uh, is speaking, out the window. Speaking of, as, a, as far as a lot, as far as a lot <laughs> right. of people, what'd you say? That speaking you say? of, said, speaking of. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Speaking of abhorrent <laughs> positions and repugnant <laughs> positions, exactly, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you led me right where I wanted to go. Um, Definitely uh, out the window, and I, I wonder what your biggest takeaway is. I know that's a broad question. But what is your biggest takeaway from the way things unfolded with the Raiders knowing about all of the emails, as I understand it, since Friday, allowing him to coach when he was just racist, but then firing him once it turned out that he covered all the bases when it comes to discrimination and, and exclusivity um, and firing him last night? What's your, what's your greatest takeaway from this, uh, this entire story, which, you know, maybe it's still to be determined because hopefully it's not over. Yeah, I mean, there's 650,000 emails, right? So apparently there's going to be a lot more that comes away from this. What I took away was that, you know, Colin Kaepernick was right. You know, like look at one of these guys who was the biggest voice in the NFL, one of the biggest voices of the NFL at the time. He was a commentator for their franchise game of the week, which is Monday Night Football. And he was a guy who was heavily sought after every single offseason to be a head coach. And what did he think? He thought that players who were kneeling should be fired. He thought that homosexuals shouldn't be allowed in the NFL. And was there any pushback from anybody who was on that thread? And we're talking about Bruce Allen, a guy who was in position potentially to sign Colin Kaepernick. When I was thinking about this story originally, what I thought of was whatever number I'd had in my mind about how much the NFL settled with with Colin Kaepernick, I just added a zero on there because they do not want the discovery that would have come from that. Because if this is what John Gruden thinks, I wouldn't even necessarily say that he's in the top 
10 percentile of who I would imagine to be the most conservative coaches in the NFL. I think that there's a lot more where this came from, and it'll be interesting to see if the NFL is willing to hold even more powerful people accountable. Will they be willing to hold owners accountable for their views, or will it just be people like John Gruden who are taking paychecks instead of cutting paychecks? Mm. Man, uh, absolutely mm. love that. Um, listen, man, Ooh, that's hell of a hell of a first appearance on Brother from Another. Hopefully, that's there's a, a lot land more where that you came from. You landed it. You got you, you got to come back again right very there. very soon. Uh, David Gardner, love your work. Uh, check him out. Uh, New York Times, Washington Post, uh, The Ringer, uh, and now dare I say, Brother from Another. We appreciate Happy you, to be man. on Thanks with you guys out. anytime, anytime. All right, all right, Thank good. You. Appreciate you. Hey, Mike, I want to uh, I want to stay here with you. Nope. That's not what I said. Thank you. Good. Here we are. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Nice adjustment. Did not want to go to break. Um, Audible. So what I wanted to I want to stay here on Kyrie with you, though. I want to stay here with you on Kyrie. Yeah. And I want you to answer a couple of your own questions, if you don't mind. Yeah, because the yeah. question that you asked, I'll go reverse chronological. The question that you asked of David about Kyrie's uh, principles, just knowing you, but also just knowing about asking questions, and you know, um, it didn't sound like it was completely neutral. Is that is it's that not. reflective of your thinking? Was that reflective of how yeah. you how you're starting to think about Kyrie? Yeah, because look. I, I, I'm trying to get to the point where I'm, I'm thinking of. I'm trying to think from his perspective. I know a lot of people say, well, why are you trying to do that? You can't do that. It's Kyrie Irving. Sure. But Kyrie Irving knows what the consequences are. The consequences are clear. He plays. He just happens to play in Brooklyn and Brooklyn at New York City happens to have a, a mandate. And so the mandate it, it suggested he can't play games at home. He can't. And so I know he loves basketball. I know he loves being an entertainer. He, he, he continually calls it the art. So this is his art. He is choosing to remain unvaccinated. And he is choosing that over his art when it comes to the National Basketball Association. Maybe he goes and he plays overseas or or maybe he does something else, or maybe he just says, hey, it's not worth it to me. But I got to be, I think, I think it's just fair. I think we've gone too far, the vaccinated. We've gone too far. We have hammered the unvaccinated. When they have made their positions clear, some of them have made their positions clear. Now, if he's going out and he's telling, and he's just being reckless, and he's going around, and he's not wearing a mask, and he's saying this is all stupid, and he's trying to upset the order of things, then I'd have a problem with that. Here's a brother who's saying, I choose not to be vaccinated. And there are a lot of people who choose not to be vaccinated. And I can't look at them all and say, you are a disgrace or you're selfish. Some people have what they believe to be very good reasons for not being vaccinated. Now, I, I want to be, make this clear, Mike. I have no respect, I have no respect for those who are not religious and try to use the religious exemption, the religious exception. I, I have no respect for that. But if you if 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 you just don't believe, what about the ones? What about it, the it, ones that have never turned not in trusting? a term paper? What about the ones that have never turned in a term paper on time? Talking about I'm doing my research. Who are all of a sudden? 
Okay. Crack scientists. What about those people? Yeah. Respecting I, mean, their look, positions I don't too? like it. I'm not crazy about it. I'm not crazy about it. But at some point, this I've come to this decision. I can't just keep hammering people to do something that I would do that I've done that everybody in my family who's eligible has done. I can't just hammer people like, hey, do this. And if you don't do this, okay. this means blank. I think that's dangerous. Okay. I think that's equally dangerous. The, just I, fair, to, just I think that's go, very, that's very right? reasonable of you. That's very reasonable, very thoughtful. I'm sure there are a lot of people who appreciate that stance. I'm not going to hammer you for that stance. All I'm going to say is 700,000 people are dead are dead and we're still in a global pandemic. I'm going to leave that point there because I do want to continue on Kyrie because the reason why Kyrie yeah. we're talking about Kyrie is the very practical matter which Kyrie made his choice. The Nets made theirs and there are consequences from a basketball sense and we're here talking about basketball. Okay, yeah. so let's separate the societal, you know, vaccinated versus unvaccinated. Okay. And let's talk about the fact that the Brooklyn Nets now on their based on their own determination will not have Kyrie Irving available at all indefinitely. Yesterday when we talked about this, you and I agreed that this player-driven organization, or so we thought, and this is going back to when LeBron did not take a hard stance. And then Draymond came out after that and said, like you just said, it's gone too far. And I, in a throwaway, in passing, I made the point that they were being used as political pawns based on the people who in every other context tell them to shut up and dribble now <laughs> holding them up as right. bastions of virtue. Right. Okay. That's what I meant. Yeah, listen, if, if, if don't listen to them. Oh, no, the listen world, to them. If the Ted right. Cruises of the world are agreeing with you, you need to reevaluate everything. But that's but the, I, I'm getting my point in bringing that up is to say this. I always understood and a lot of people beat up LeBron but I always understood why LeBron did not go harder at being pro vaccine and Steph Curry spoke to this after that is because there's a code. You don't talk about people's families. You don't talk about people's money. You don't talk about people's bodies yeah. in locker rooms. That's a line that none of them are willing to cross. They're going to protect each other and one another. Even if even if the unvaccinated are not working to protect society at large. Even if it's at the expense right. of their competitive advantages, they're still not going to cross that line and tell them another man what to put in his body that goes against their code. Unit core God right. country. That's their code in the in the NBA and the NFL players are not going to tell them the players what to do with their bodies. Okay, so I always got that. I say all that to say this Michael Holly. I wonder I thought this would work. I didn't know that I get I get where Sean Marks is coming from. I get where the Nets are coming from and saying you know what? We'd rather none of Kyrie than some of Kyrie. We're just going to move forward with the guys that we that, that are available. It's just like an injury, whatever. I get that. I thought it could work because if the players don't have a problem with Kyrie's position, which by the way, don't hold your breath about him coming off that position because if anything, like a lot of the unvaccinated, and this is the part I do agree with you on, Michael, the more, the harder we go, the more dug in they get. Yeah. Now, it's a matter of Kyrie yeah. Irving saying, Oh, you think you're going to punk me? You're going to push me into getting vaccinated? Right, right, no problem. Right. No yeah, problem. Right. Because if, Ky if, if Kevin Durant didn't have an issue with it, if James Harden didn't have an issue with it, okay, if, if, it, if the players didn't, I thought it could work with him being a road warrior, literally. 
and maybe they could figure out how to, you know, because they were not judging him. It's not as though it was something that they were looking at him and saying, man, you, 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 you hanging us out to dry. They got it. But nonetheless, here we are. So a couple more things I want to touch base with you on before we go to break. We still got to talk about Ben Simmons. So let's, let's I, I wonder what now they, they did say that they're going to pay him for the road games. They're not using it for so that he's not getting paid for home. They're still going to pay him to not play on the road. Can this situation absent and you brought this up yesterday, Michael, I thought it was a great point. God willing, we get to a point where the, where the mandates are lifted altogether. I thought that was right. great. But if we don't get to that, hell, maybe we go the opposite direction and there's stricter mandates. If we don't get to that, answer me this as quickly as you can. Can this continue like this or do the Nets have no choice but to trade him and just move on altogether? Or can, or are they just going to go with paying a guy not to play indefinitely? I'm not sure how that. Yeah, is, I think they how that works. I don't think it can continue. I don't think it can continue. I think you know, the, the, the championship window is so tight. It's not like they got 30 teams that, you know, 30 teams can win a championship. We know that probably like four or five realistically have a real chance of winning the championship and the Brooklyn Nets are one of them. And I just don't see how you could have such a huge part of your cap devoted to somebody who's not helping you at all. You've got the defending champs in your conference. You've got the Lakers and, and the uh, and the defending Western Conference champions across from you in Phoenix. And, and, and a couple of uh, dark horses in both conferences. You need all the help you can get. I just can't imagine devoting that much empty space to and, and getting no production. So I think they probably would have to move on from them. And and Mike, you know what I think? I believe the Brooklyn Nets are saying to themselves, "We we can do this without them. We can I, do this I without them." I say that. You asked David but, that question earlier. If they're still the favorite, yeah. the answer is yes. Not the overwhelming favorite, but they're still the favorite yeah. with Durant, Harden, and Patty Mills, Cam Thomas. I mean, they got they got enough guys yeah. to get and, this done. And it, it, this may be a little cynical. You tell me if it's too cynical for your taste. I thought just like you did. Hey, if Kevin Durant supports it, if James Harden supports it, it's all good. What if they don't support it? But Sean Marks takes the bullets. They don't support it. Mm -hmm. Sean Marks. Very you say possible. It. Very possible. You say it. Very possible. We ain't got to say it. Very possible. You, you do it. Go that's be the you, bad that's guy. That's what you get paid to do. Yeah. What else you doing? <laughs> Go ahead. So, hey, it's above we just me. Want a ball. It's above me now. Yeah. It's above that, me. It's, it's above my pay grade. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's right, above. Right. No. That, that's 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 perfectly plausible. That is perfectly plausible. All right. Um, in the interest of time, we're going to leave it there. I'm sure this story is not going anywhere, much like the other dominant story in the NBA, which is that of Ben Simmons, who showed up yesterday in Philadelphia and took a COVID test, much to the delight of the 76ers. Here's Joel Embiid. It's good for the organization. Uh, you know, that's something that, you know, everybody wanted. Uh, you know, I've always said that, uh, you know, I believe uh, that, it gives us the best, you know, chance to win. Uh, you know, uh, we are better team, you know, with them than without. Uh, you know, that's for sure. So I'm happy that you know things are resolved and you know we can move on and you know try to try to be a better team. Uh, it doesn't need to be awkward. I mean, we are professionals. Uh, you know, we want to win. I, you know, I want to win. Uh, so you know, 
it gives me the best the best chance to win. So that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. Look, man. Embiid's right. It listen. <laughs> you said yesterday, Michael, in your in your role as Ben Simmons protector on this show, you accused me yesterday yeah. of making it personal. All right? It ain't personal. Same thing I say about the Sixers. It ain't personal. It's business. Okay? Going back to game seven. Can Ben Simmons be a point guard on the championship team? I don't know the answer to that right now. What they do know is that the Sixers, for all his flaws, are not as good, I'm stating the obvious, are not as good without Ben Simmons. So they ain't got to like Ben Simmons. They ain't got to love Ben Simmons. They ain't got to agree with Ben Simmons. They could think Ben Simmons was butthurt for no reason. But when Ben Simmons shows up and makes them a better team, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Seth, Seth Curry, and Doc Rivers, who've been consistent throughout this entire process, saying they want him back, can welcome him back. And if you're Ben Simmons, Michael, yesterday you talked about how people change, people come to their senses, people mature. He's realizing right. that it's silly to forfeit all these millions of dollars, right? Understood. What's also silly is to further tank his trade value, which is not, which around the league is not commensurate with that of the Sixers trade value by going in and acting out, acting out of character and being disruptive and difficult. His best option, if he's not going to withhold his services, is to show up and play. And the door has always been wide open. So Michael, I got to disagree with you going back to yesterday. He's back. He's back. He's, he's not there okay. just to show up and fake an injury because what good does that do? Yes, you avoid the fines. Well, yeah, Marshawn Lynch, you hear she don't, so you don't get fined. But ultimately, it doesn't do, he's not going to get what he wants until Daryl Morey gets what he wants. And that was always the case. The only thing that's changed is Ben Simmons got tired of missing them checks. His teammates always said, we'll take him back. Now he's back. Sixers fans will fall in line with the team. Okay. You quote Marshawn Lynch. I'm going to quote Ron Burgundy, as in, I don't believe you. Uh, Joel Embiid, I don't believe you. I don't. I, I don't believe that it, it won't be awkward. I don't believe that all the things that were said between August, when they had oh, the last meeting. <laughs> There's going to be a meeting. Yeah. Don't get it twisted. I don't, <laughs> a lot has been said between August, August uh -huh. of 2000, uh, August, August of, of 2021, and October. Can you imagine? I know, right? You haven't talked to them since August? Um, and, I, and, and I think it really went to the next level when Simmons, his side, let it be known that he wants to run his own team that and playing with Embiid makes it difficult for him and it made it difficult hey, when Embiid came out and was like, hey, don't believe everything this is getting disrespectful. I, I didn't left. say that. I, that's just hey, sources. I, I heard. Come on, man. But I heard. Come on now. I heard Embiid talk about Jimmy Butler, how we never should let Jimmy Butler go and all the things that we've done. Okay. We've done for Ben okay. Simmons. Fair I enough. heard that. Fair. Okay. That was on all the right. record. <laughs> that, that was, was on the record. Right. That was on the record. Yeah, yes. That was okay. on camera. The clapback was the so clapback was legit. Yeah. I think 
I think this is really difficult, and I, I have a hard time believing that Ben Simmons is going to play many games with Philadelphia. I said yesterday he's played his last game with the Philadelphia 76ers. I, I, I went too far. But I'm going to say this. It won't be 10. ten, ten I, I, my over-under is about 15. 15, under. I'm taking under. So what's he going to do? You're going over 15 and go back or under? He's going to take his ball and trade go back home? Him. No, he's going to be traded. They're still okay. going to trade him. Let's go Ricky him. Waters. Let's go Ricky Waters in a different context. For who? For who? what? Let me ask you this. A good question. Would you trade? I haven't even done the numbers. I haven't done the numbers on it. But well, it's, it's just funny how we, it, we didn't plan this. We didn't plan this. But we started talking about, about 10 minutes ago, we were talking about Kyrie Irving. Now we're talking about Ben Simmons. Would you swap him? Would Philadelphia take Kyrie? Would Brooklyn take Ben Simmons? How about that? Just a, would you would you would you trade those guys for each other? Who would say no? I mean, uh, Brooklyn wouldn't. I say, mean, would, would Philly say no? I don't think Philly would say no. Probably. Philly would say. I don't yeah. think. I don't think. And I think Brooklyn would do it. No, do, do I have? Because to? you got. I, I don't. Uh, I gotta. I gotta sit with that for a while. I gotta sit with that for a while. I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. But you just want to swap a problem for a problem. I mean, okay, but it's yeah, a different kind of problem. But a problem. It's a different kind of problem. A problem for a problem, but I. But I would say this. Here's my logic on it. I mean, what is Ben it, Simmons' it, so, role? Ben Simmons handling the ball in Brooklyn? Well, hold on. Well, I'm going to say this. Like, so here's the is problem. He running the problem. offense in Brooklyn. Ky- Kyrie. Kyrie's not a problem in Philadelphia with his availability. As far as I know, Philadelphia has no mandate like San Francisco and no mandate like New York. No. So you got him. But he's still going to be you compromised. Got, you got him at home. Against New York, against Brooklyn, against LA, against the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, maybe in at the least finals. you got him yeah, a home game. Still compromised to some extent. You no, got him not home. home. No, no. And you got it. No. But you does got a point guard who can shoot. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. say so. Sure. So he's I not guess. a problem. I he's guess. less of a problem in Philly. He's a problem in New York because of his availability. Number one. First and foremost is available. Sure. Brooklyn sure. has two legendary scores in, in Ben Simmons and, and Kevin Durant. So now you're bringing a guy who's a defender, the defender that they don't have, a long defender that they don't have, and a distributor. He ain't got to shoot. Just give it to KD. They got a distributor. Give it to His Harden. name is James Harden. His name is James Harden. I know, they got a point guard. His name is James Harden. I know. Listen, you can have another Michael, one. I appreciate, you can have I appreciate another one the impromptu trade too. machine. I appreciate the impromptu trade machine. You wouldn't but do it. If it were that simple, if it, no, it's not about what I would do. It's about what Daryl Morey would do. I mean, and, and so forget whether we Darryl would do Morey it. Daryl Morey would love that. Daryl Morey would love that. If that's in available the meantime, to him. He'd love it. In the meantime, just like you adjusted your stance in the last 24 hours, Ben Simmons yeah. and Joel Embiid can adjust theirs because they're professionals. No matter how pissed off either one of them was the other one. No matter how, like, they're professionals, and it's a job. And the theme of this week so far has been working with people with whom you do not see eye to eye. I'm looking at the mm. clock. Let's take a break because I'm going to do something on the other side, Michael, that is going to please your heart. I am going to Ooh, hold Ooh. myself accountable. I'm going to I'm I'm hold. I, I, I do not hesitate to play my greatest hits by request, I might add. I got a, 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 a take that didn't age well since last week <laughs> that I'm going to address. 
before we go. Let me look at your feed here. Let me look. No, I don't want to look. Just no, surprise. Just I won't even look. I'm not going to guess. This is an audible. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, let's call this a little impromptu comment section, uh, minus Brandon. Camo uh, M69. Uh, okay tweeted me during the show and I love not only do I love our viewers all all of y'all God bless you um, I love the ones yeah. who rock with us so much that they like remember stuff so we talking about Lamar Jackson earlier in the show he hit me with MS was talking about Burrow being the best AFC North QB a few days ago I never want to hear that take ever Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson don't suddenly come to the North there will never be a conversation about who the king of the division is I replied, whoa, whoa, whoa. First off, thanks so much for watching. But yeah. what I said was, what yeah. had happened was, I said in time, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Bengals would or could have the best QB in the division. Lamar is making taking making that time longer and that level higher for sure. And then came more responded, pleasure, you guys are great. That's what I meant. I guess the tweet wasn't coherent enough. Point is, more respect needs to be put on Lamar's name. And that take on needs to be shelved for the foreseeable future because Lamar is only getting better. Top five, love Burrow though. Love you, man. Because let me okay. say this. He's right. He's right. What I did yeah. in getting so excited about Joe Burrow's potential, loved him at LSU, loved him coming out, love what I've seen so far from him. So excited about his potential until I underestimated and disrespected or minimized whatever Lamar Jackson's potential from the pocket or his potential Ooh. for improvement his potential for improvements and all I said was essentially in the long run I felt like Joe Burrow could be the best quarterback in the AFC North Lamar Jackson isn't done ascending I failed to account for that right and if Lamar That's Jackson's right. gonna That's keep right. getting better I have no idea how any not just the AFC North how anybody's going to keep up with Lamar Jackson as time goes on. So I just want to shout out my man for the very specific calling out of what feels like a freezing cold take today following Lamar Jackson's history making performance last night. So I'm not taking it back. I'm saying "Mm, that looks so great today. (laughs) That looks so great Uh, right now. That, That didn't age well. What's what's his name? Camo, right? It was Camo. Camo, yeah. I didn't see. A, I didn't is, see a full that, name. I, I saw. Yeah. Yeah, Camo. Well, it might be Camo. Thank you yeah. very much. Yep. As Michael said. Thank you, Camo. Thank you, thank you for watching. Thank you for engaging your interaction with the show. And Camo, I got to tell you, you just gave me an idea, because now if Michael Smith is willing to put your tweet up, and and kind of apologize for some things that he said. I got like right around here, right around the corner. I got about 15 things. I'm going to build my own list. I'm going to bring it tomorrow. Kind of like this, but we're going to need that screen to roll a little bit. We have the capability to have that thing roll like credits. 
like all the tapes that Michael Smith that what? has been wrong on that I told you Jeez. I've that's been a, right that's on. That's a five minute segment. That's a five minute segment, bro. You don't want you don't want play, you don't want that smoke. You better find somebody else to hit with that smoke. You don't want that smoke, okay? You don't want play. You don't. We ain't keeping score no more because it's a blowout. It's a blowout. <laughs> hey, but wait. Speaking of keeping score, right, speaking of keeping score. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> say something about say something about Guardians of the Galaxy Three. Go ahead. Just say something about Guardians of the Galaxy Three. Because then you yes. Then you clean. Say something. I love it. I love it. Hey, it's one. Hey, you know that's one of my top five Marvel movies, right? Did I tell you that? We did our top five Marvels. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. is yeah. my top five. Yeah. I'm so looking yeah. forward to Volume Three. I love it. I love it. We got the we got the new Warlock. We're good to go. Your whole you know feed is great. Your whole tomorrow. feed. You did it. You did it. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.